When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey guys, welcome to episode number seven of the Danny Bat and the MMA show only on Ace Podcast Nation. I'm your host, Sai, and here at Ace Podcast Nation, we've got podcasts, interviews, and content on all sorts of subjects. Too many, too list. But if you like MMA, football, mental health, films, music, we've got you covered. Video at youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation or audio at all the usual podcasting platforms. We have a weekly live show on football, which is the Andy Campbell Show, every Monday, which is live on facebook.com slash Nation and youtube.com slash Nation simultaneously. And tomorrow night, well, actually this will be out on Tuesday, so yesterday night we revealed our new logo for that show. And uh, we talked about all sorts of different stuff for the football We've also got an unscripted and uncensored with Welsh boxer undefeated, currently 10-0, Mr. Cody Davis, who's also fighting this coming Saturday. Uh, that will be out uh, Friday Friday evening, ready for you people. And um, also next week, we're recording a sh- new episode of My Story with well, former Welsh international and Arsenal and Cardiff defender Reese Weston. And I have the band... The- crooks coming on ahead of the release of their single and sellout tour so look out for that today's show as usual brought to you by away day apparel away day apparel is a group of casually obsessed football fans looking to bring something different to the wardrobes of like-minded people please visit their website awaydayapparel.co.uk and i highly recommend giving them a follow on twitter at away day apparel or instagram at away day underscore apparel 2020 is going to be a very exciting year for the brand and exclusively for Ace Podcast Nation viewers and listeners. If you use the code AA Podcast Nation, all in lowercase, 
you'll get 10% off all orders. <clears throat> and incidentally, this week I joined Instagram. Uh, so we've now got an Instagram page, which uh, you'll have to bear with me because I'm a bit new to it. But uh, I've been told to get one and people have been nagging me. So I eventually got one. So now we're on Instagram as well. I believe it's acecast underscore nation, same as the Twitter. Okay. Without any further ado, please welcome my co-host, my guest, who provides us with technical analysis on all the fights. It's uh, former Cage Warriors featherweight champion, Mr. Danny Batten. Welcome, buddy. Hey, hello, Simon. Hello, everyone. We're back again. Back again. Getting them out regular. There's so much good... Good stuff, good cards coming up and being mm-hmm. on recently. Just got to talk about them. Got to talk about them. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, last night we had uh, UFC Fight Night, which was interesting card. Um, lots, lot. If you know, when I was watching it, I was like, mm, this is good, but it's not like really, really exciting. But then when I was looking back on it, I was like, oh, wow, there's loads to talk about. So it's, yeah. uh, it's an interesting one. What did you think of the card, like the card overall of quality and, you know, just the yeah, general Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I had two, you know, shocking, you know, happenings, um, you know, which is quite yes. rare. You, you get the occasional one, but to have two in one night, um, yeah, that, that was a bit of like, oh, wow, okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fights. Um, a couple of surprises for me, you mm. know, with yeah, either yeah. fights not, not necessarily in regards, you know, results not happening the way I thought they would be, but more the style uh, of certain fighters, you know, which we'll get into. Um, yeah, so yeah, a few little not, eyebrow risers. Yeah, there's not, uh, it's not very often you get like a couple of disqualifications on the same card, let alone the same main card, um, which is interesting. Um, but we'll get into it. Um, so we're going to talk about one of the fights on the, the pre prelims, which is featuring uh, British fighter Nathaniel Wood against yep. UFC veteran John Dodson. Um, you yeah. know, we like to we like to cover the the British and Irish fighters and the Welsh fighters and all these people because we want to support them as on their journeys. Um, sure. I got I got to say, I thought Nathaniel Wood was going to take this beforehand. Um, you know, as good as yeah. John Dodson has been been over the years, I did fancy yeah. Nathaniel Wood. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll get to the stoppage in a minute, but uh, if we start with you know round one, um, how did you see that? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, not, I, I know I was thinking the same as you initially. I was thinking, you know, it's all for Nathaniel Woods uh, to be winning this bout, uh, push come to shove. Um, you know, it's been on a bit of a tear looking, you know, better and better each time that we see him. Um, and now, you know, getting some proper experience under his belt as well. Um, but Dobson, I know, and we all know, how elusive he is, how awkward he is. And, you know, he, he's never out of shape either. Um, you know, he could be an awkward customer. But that first round, Nathaniel did pick him off. Um, he had a few nice inserted leg kicks. They had opposite stance, which can make things interesting as well. But he also did get the sense, you know, he was finding Dobson's range a little bit difficult to deal with but he did find a home for that cross hand numerous times and like I say that inside leg kick <clears throat> and um, he's really pushing Dobson back Dobson looked a little bit sleepy maybe in the first round it didn't start as fiery as perhaps we've seen him in the past um, whether that's just because he's a real vet now um, you know, it might be the case you know that, you know these type of fights unless they're title fights don't really pep him up so he's a little bit slow to 
to look aggressive. It looked like he was just going through the motions in the first round. So I, initially, I was impressed with what I saw with Nathaniel. Um, <clears throat> I just thought, okay, he, I would say he edged that round. I thought we was going to see much of the um, same thing going into the second. Um, that's pretty much how I sum up. You know, there was nothing spectacular happening, just some, some sharp striking. But he was uh, just pressing John Dobson back because he had that extra range. He was a little sharper. Um, and he looked like the predator a little bit in that, that first round. That's how I saw it. Yeah, well, like you say, I think sharp's the good, uh, a good description of that first round. Would look sharp. Dodson didn't. Dodson, like you say, was a bit slow going. He did wake up in that second round, but I was the way the first round went, how I thought it was going to go mm-hmm. at this, before the fight, and then as the fight went on into the second round, they didn't didn't go how I want uh, or how I thought it was going to go. Um, yeah, would. Like you say, he cracked him with a couple of good shots, and he was pressing him back in that first round. So you were thinking, yeah, yeah. if he continues that into the second round, you know he's going to be relatively comfortable. Um, yeah. The second round begins, um, and Wood takes a few—I wouldn't say wild swings, but he has a right. couple of swings at Dodson, and Dodson then comes forward and hits Wood with some lefts. And I, um, yeah. I felt then straight away that that's when Dodson seemed. You know, he did seem to wake up and yeah, he hit him with a couple of decent shots. That's right, yeah. I don't know whether it was anything to do with uh, the fact that there were some semi-low blows. I will say semi-low blows. Yeah, they because, were close, uh, weren't they? they? They weren't up under the cup, but the bottom of Nathaniel's foot, was. it looked like it was um, knocking the cup up into uh, Dobson's um, groin. So, yeah, they were, they were borderline and, um, you know, Dobson was getting affected by those, those those kicks for sure. But whether the break in the pace for the fact that Dobson had to stop and it broke Nathaniel's concentration and rhythm, um, or whether we could look at it, it woke Dobson up and made him like, oh, okay, you've got to stop doing that. Let's, let's, let's get it down. Um, whether it was that, I, I don't know. But we did see a turn of pace. He started finding successes, um, some successes against Nathaniel. Um, and that sort of like just continued throughout that round. Because um, <clears throat> one thing that impressed me, just to go back and recap on that final part of that first round, was the fact that I was really surprised that Nathaniel could take Dobson down. You know, um, you, you know, in my analysis of them both, I would say Dobson was probably the more proficient uh, wrestler. If it was going to be steered to the ground by anyone, it would have been John Dobson taking Nathaniel down, but it wasn't the case. Um, so I thought, well, maybe that might have been part of the makeup for a, uh, for Nathaniel, maybe even in the second round, to perhaps take him down late. But, um, yeah, I just felt like Nathaniel's inexperience perhaps showed through in, in that he carried on chasing for the, for the strikes um, yeah. when his timing had begun to, or his distancing or combination of both, began to fall, fall a little bit wild for him. He was getting clinched up more as well <laughs> in that second round. It's interesting. I... Like we say, like Dodson woke up and he was a lot better in the second round, a lot sharper. But I actually had Wood taking that second round as well, marginally, um, just by, I don't know, it was so close. Um, I saw some people scored it for Wood, some people scored it for Dodson. I think yeah. I had it just, just for Wood. But yeah. when I look back at it and I think about it more, I don't know whether I would change that. But... Would had yeah. would hit some good shots, and I think you could be onto something in that. The 
they was halted a couple of times for the kind of yeah. low low strikes, whether that just interrupted his rhythm or his concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, if you do give that round to Wood, makes it all the more disappointing or interesting, however way you look at it, to how it turns yeah. out in the third round, because he could have been two rounds up. Um, yeah, yeah. Did you have the second round for Wood or Dodson? Uh, I, if I was going to be forced to give it to anyone, I would have pushed for Dobson, and um, just okay. because he he put Nathaniel's back against it, but I absolutely can understand why you know judges or, or like yourself could see it the other way. Um, but Dobson did have his back pressed up against the fence for a longer duration, and had successes of his own in terms of the striking. Um, so you know, I just felt like you know Dobson suddenly was the one that was looking like he had that success. So I found my eye was cast to more what he was doing than what Nathaniel was doing. And yeah. Nathaniel picked up that cut as well. Um, so it's another reason why I perhaps would have um, edged it for, for, for Dobson. Yeah, I could uh, think you know, got some damage that. going. Mm. Yeah. Um, and towards the latter part of that round, in that second round, you know, like I say, Nathaniel was having his back pressed up against the fence. He, you know, he's on the, on the deficit regards to positioning and was unable to get off there for a while. I think um, there was one, one part where Woods had Dodson, I think it was towards the end, had, a, uh, had him against cage wall, and he mm-hmm. caught him with a nice straight right. And I yeah. think maybe it's because it was towards the end of the round as well. That kind of caught my eye. But yeah. following that, Dodson did spin him around into the cage wall, but then yeah. just before the, the ref kind of uh, split him up for inactivity... Yeah. Um, and then the, they obviously they checked for the cut as well. Then so you're talking, yeah. There was I think three interruptions in that round. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Which you know, from a concentration point of view, um, obviously is a massive fight for Nathaniel Wood as well to be fighting a yeah. you know a, a UFC veteran. If he had t- taken this fight, he would have you know could have been looking to go onto the main card of a next show. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So to have those three interruptions is guy is going to affect affect any fighter um and i whether it did or it didn't it's difficult to say but the going into the third round you're looking for woods to really press home to make sure he takes the third round just in case Uh, mm, yeah i mean kind of doing the right thing but you know doing the right thing when you're left to question the previous two rounds and thinking it's 50 50 and you've got to go all out for that third round um, you know, it's going to put things up in the air on percentages and, you know, getting a little bit lucky, unlucky, however you want to look at it. Um, he come out, you know, doing what he had to do, which was start trading off out working Dobson. But Dobson's short, compact and really sharp. And I think, think as the fight went on, he was just getting his, uh, getting his groove more, more, more. And he found the button to, that knocked uh, Woods off his feet. Um, and then he was on him, absolutely on him. Possibly a slightly early stoppage. But I know they're in it to protect the fighters. And in every shot, even though there wasn't really hugely concussive after the knockdown, um, he was consecutively punching Nathaniel. And uh, Nathaniel just didn't respond by exchanging the position in any way. Unfortunately, he stayed in that turtle position. Do you think, is, um, just sorry yeah, to interrupt on. you, I just ask you yes, on okay. that. Do you think he was, I thought, I felt as if he was actually, when he was on the floor, if they'd stopped it, I would have been okay. Mm. I felt like when he stopped it, he was on his way up and starting yes. to try and turn to yeah. defend himself. And I feel like, you know, if it had gone on, say, another five or ten seconds, 
he probably would have been around and facing him and in the clinch or and yeah. I you know I, I do find it difficult to criticize referees for stoppages because particularly when it's with strikes because yeah. they you know they're looking to protect the fighters but yeah what would you say to that that he was kind of on well, his way up, they've, up. They've, I know that you know whenever you're on these big promotions the referees come around and give you a little talk to make sure you do understand the rules um, and just to keep reiterating them um, and they also will, will, will um, you know, say things to the fighter like, um, uh, you know, if I feel there's not a lot of activity, you'll hear me say, let's get some action or it's going to stand up, you know, just to, you know, so you get to know their lingo and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I know that they say, you know, if you're not intelligently defending yourself, I will have to step in. Now, although Nathaniel was getting to his feet, he was receiving shots throughout. You've got to remember he got knocked down with a shot. He was receiving shots as he was getting up. Can you deem that as intelligently getting up? Um, it's not a good idea to be getting up from a ground scenario, still receiving strikes, which is yeah, why I think in a way. the ref. Yeah. yeah, that's why I think the ref um, stepped in. Um, yeah, um, he had both hands on the mat as he was beginning to stand, and that's not intelligently defending yourself when you're continually taking a barrage of shots. So, you know, in that term, I know the ref was right to stop it. Um, just my gut instinct of knowing what Nathaniel Wood is like, um, you know, he would have sucked it up and he would have probably got back to his feet. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's you know, did you bend the, bend the, yeah, you can't you know, very strong black and white rules of a referee just because you know a character's tough and would be willing to take something to get to a situation where it gets him back to his feet. It's not intelligent defending yourself. No, no. And I, you know, when you're taking those headshots, they're looking for, you to be defending yourself at all yeah. times. Yeah. Um, so I can, I, you know, I can see it from both ways, but like you say, because we've seen Nathaniel Wood so many times take strikes and recover. Yeah. Everyone who's followed his career or has watched him fight before knows that he probably would have been able to get up to his feet and turn around and, and go back yeah. into it. But um, yeah. so round I, three, round one. Yeah, yeah, that that, that round three was really quick. I mean, you know, we we pretty much summed it up, really. We knew Nathaniel Woods was going to come out chasing uh, Dobbs down. He was expecting it, wasn't he? Uh, Yeah, he's just so sharp and he's compact as well. So, you know, if you start closing into his sort of range of strike and you rush in, he's going to plant down on his shots. You know, it's not him who's got to be pretty with his footwork closing in. It was always going to be Nathaniel closing in. So, you know, it does take a little bit of... um, power out your shots when you're having to skip in the way Nathaniel was because he's really eager to get in and get to work and Dobson was just planted down and, and caught him on the jaw and, and his experience showed through he knew that was a chance to put it away that's why he didn't overload on the shots um, even though the shots he was doing on the ground were not concussive he knows the rules he knows what the refs have to do he's, he's heard them time and time again intelligently defend yourself so he just rabbit punched him time and time again um, you know knowing that that could push the ref to, to get the stoppage. Yeah, the, the round three literally it began with uh, Wood came out swinging, um, mm. and Dodson kind of planted his feet and waited, and he just popped him right in the jaw. He went down, and it was over. Um, yeah, it was. And the th- it was. Thing is, with when you've got someone as experienced as John Dodson, he's where he knows Nathaniel Wood's got to come out swinging. So he's yeah. just waiting for those counter yeah. punches, and he did it yeah. well. Disappointing yeah, for Nathaniel did. Wood overall. I think yeah. started well, 
second round not so good. Third round mm. obviously didn't really get started. Yeah, uh, I mean he'll he, be, he he'll... was very much on his way up. He's still very much a young lad. Um, and, and just incidentally, um, we've had a new guy come up doing sparring rounds with us. Uh, he try, tries to participate in the class, but with work he gets there a little late. Um, this guy called Rick Salivary, he was one of the top welterweights and lightweights at one time. He's going to make a comeback now. And okay. um, so he's coming down to ours to get extra training. And, and he's trained with Nathaniel Woods. And we was actually talking about him um, last week when we was training. And he gave me a little bit more insight on what he's like um, stylistically um, when he, you're training with him. And, you know, he said this kid's, you know, proper legit, um, you know, really tight, correct striking it's got really cunning ways to trip you down if that's where he wants to take it um so yeah i just think this was down to um experience i think the fact that that second round had three breaks in the rhythm i think this broke his confidence concentration dobson's been there a million times i think the thing that went against dobson in terms of experience was he was a little sleepy in that first round um but he, he soon got his groove and he just got better and better throughout the round uh for sorry throughout the fight yeah, he did. Yeah, um, and like you say, it's not. Um, it's certainly not a case with Nathaniel Wood where you're looking at it and thinking, "Oh, he's lost the fight. He could be, you know, dropped or whatever from the UFC." Because I think everybody can see the potential for where he can go, and and there's not many fighters who go their whole career without losing. Mm. Let's face it, um, yeah, there's very it. very few. Everyone takes a loss, particularly when you're young, um, mm. and it's just about how he reacts to that loss now. Um, and I'm yeah, sure, sure that he'll, uh, you know, he'll do all the right things. Hopefully he'll get, yeah. if he's not got any uh, medical suspension, then he can get back into it relatively soon. Yeah. Well, I imagine he's got to have some stitches in that eye. I think that was actually a headbutt. So, yeah, they clashed heads, I think, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, he'll have to have a little time off to rehabilitate that. But um, yeah, he, he'll be okay. He'll be back. Yeah, and, you know, overall... I don't think it was like a like a bad performance, if you want to say, or like a you know he didn't he wasn't terrible by any means. Um, I think he himself will probably think or hope or wish that he would have done a bit better or done himself a bit you know better better in compared to how he we you know he knows in himself he could fight. But I certainly yeah. think he showed enough to uh, say that there. he can it, push on. Yeah, he's he's up there. Um, just needs a little bit more maturity um, to to deal with these more unusual aspects of this sport, which is with, with those interruptions. I think uh, uh, he'll mature into it. Or I'm sure. Um, I mean, we could be wrong about the whole lot. We can only surmise what mm. we think. And I, I just think that's where we saw changes happen. Um, and I just think now he's experienced it. You know, he'll be a little bit more the wiser next time around. Um, he's going to come back. He's, he's such a young kid and so full of talent. And, um, you know, it, there was nothing concussive about what we saw. Uh, it, it, he'd be back in no time at all. We'd be seeing him, you know, summertime or before, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, so, move, moving on to the main card yeah. was uh, Lando Venata versus uh, Yancy Medahiros. Um, yeah. Which was an interesting fight overall. Yeah. Um, Fanatic, yeah, I, I thought mean, was very impressive. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen you know his fights before, um, as we have most of the fighters. Um, you know, he, he's no uh, no beginner at it in any stretch of regards to UFC. But we, you know, we've seen, I've seen him with much more flamboyant striking. It seems that they both 
cancelled each other out stylistically a little bit um, and they was both unable to look look really compelling it looked very tit for tat no one was landing anything that was you know hugely decisive at any time um, yeah, I found it a little frustrating to watch it's like you're waiting for something big to happen but nothing really ever did um, you know maybe I've been spoilt with Lando's performances in the past yeah uh, yeah. And thought it was going to look like that. Um, he was using his hands a whole lot more percentage-wise. I think I've seen him use his kick so much more. Um, to see him just use hands as much as he did it was a little bit of a surprise to me. Uh, but that might be down to the fact that you know his opponent was you know tall, rangy, and really awkward, constantly switching his stance. Um, I think that was what was perhaps making it a little bit awkward for him to do those big spinny kicks that we come accustomed to seeing him do. Yeah, I think he nailed like um, I think he only nailed one high kick in the first round. Yeah, which yeah, you know if you've watched a Fanata fight any at any point, you've seen him you know hitting spin kicks and high kicks quite regularly. Yeah. Um, what I would call this fight, I think, from Lando's point of view, is professional in terms mm. of he did what he needed to do to win the fight without ever really looking like he was going to you know decisively finish it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you feel about uh, Yancy Mahdiros's uh, performance in that first round? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it was okay. It, you know, just nothing really bit home for him to work on. I think you know, as much as Lander was finding him hard to work out, I think Yancy was finding you know, you know, him hard to work out as well. I think they're both having trouble with their switching footwork. Um, they don't have a both have a, uh, a tight guard in terms of their arm positioning. That they're both quite arms aloft sort of thing. Um, uh, yeah, I, it, it was a difficult round to score. I, I suppose you could argue that you know, Lando was a little bit crisp with his shots. But the thing I noticed about Yancey was that um, you know he, he did nearly everything off of his lead side, even when he switched his stance. So. If he was going to strike with his rear side, which was his right side, instead of him literally punching with his rear side, he would step through with it and, um, you know, and pull with it. He was never really trying to commit a real hard biting strike, um, whereas Lando would more often do that, which maybe mm. cast my eye to Lando's style more than uh, Yancey's. Um, do, you think, um, was... do you think that was because he was expecting those uh, like kind of high kicks and spin kicks, so he was almost yeah. hanging back a bit? Yeah, 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 maybe it was. It, it could have been, you know, that he wanted to really be switching with his stance as he comes in to make it a little bit harder for, for, for Landy to, to power up on those, you know, those big kicks of his, in which case, you know, that worked. But by the same token, it, it also made Yancey not have anything that would ever look concussive. You know, whenever he did land on Yanni, it was, um, they were pouring shots at best. You know, there, yeah, there, there was touches on him. There was nothing really, was there, which was ever getting mm. through. Um, yeah. Venata hit a nice kick to the midsection uh, towards the end. They yeah. kind of exchanged a few combinations as the round finished, but nothing really got through where you were like, oh, yeah, yeah. here we go. There was that yeah. one high one high kick at the start of the round from Lando, but again, it didn't. It wasn't like um, that Shevchenko kick, for instance, last week, no. where no, no, she no. was like. She nailed it straight in the side of the jaw, and it just nothing got through. So they ended up, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. yeah, like your uh, analysis saying they cancelled each other out, particularly yeah, in that first yeah. round, is uh, 
I, I would have gone for Landy winning the first round, though. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, I had, yeah, I had Lando down at ten one ten nine for that yeah. round, and I think that so like he just he felt a bit more crisper. He was. I also thought he pushed forward a little bit more. Um, yeah, he had. Medeiros or Yancy, I think I'll go because I know no idea if I'm pronouncing his name right. <laughs> yeah, um, they're not easy. I think I think um, he had Yancy against the cage a couple of times mm. without really pushing him, you know, holding him against the cage yeah, and yeah. doing damage. But he did come forward a bit more. But then I think um, towards the sort of middle, the latter part of the round, Yancy did try and come forward and he caught him with a left. Uh, mm. But again, didn't get through. Um, so if yeah. we move on to that second round, um, it begins with uh, Lando attacking Yancey with some leg kicks. Um, uh, Yancey responded with some hits to the, with the right, and uh, Yancey nailed. I keep sorry, mate. Uh, Lando <laughs> nails Yancey with the another kick to the midsection, and I thought that yeah. second kick because he got one just in the towards the end of the first round. And I thought that yeah. second one didn't like rock him, but I did think mm. I saw a bit of a a grimace. Um, yeah, yeah. My friend, I, mean, yeah, that... those... I was going to say, my friend caused those um, those kicks to the like the midsection and the liver and that area. He calls them the the pan shitters because he said <laughs> if you just get it in the right place, this uh, it can be worse than getting one right in the jaw. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. They're not nice. They're, they're hard to recover from. Um, body shots normally, when you've been winded in about, if it's in the first round, that's a weakness in your game for the rest of that fight. Whereas you can shake the cobwebs off in terms of being, you know, knocked a little dizzy. You can recover, mm. um, but body shots they linger. Dead legs they linger. You hurt your shin, you hurt your thigh. You you're carrying that for the rest of the bout, which is why you know you're seeing such a big thing on leg kicks at the minute. Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, how many no, people have we seen walking on like one leg from leg kicks, yeah. persistent leg kicks? Absolutely, yeah. It's um, you know, becoming a big part of the, the the strategy for people now because you know it it carries weight into the latter rounds. It they accumulate, um, so they could point scored not for just for the scorecard, but they're also great for the latter part to slow people up. Body shots notoriously slow you up because of you know take the wind out of you. And um, you know, getting you know injuries to the legs and, and getting dead legs, uh, hurt hurt shins, it's going to flatten your footwork uh, and make you inefficient, which also gasses you. Um, yeah, so yeah, we were seeing Landy mix it up a little bit more. Yeah, he was just a, bit, a little bit more diverse in his thinking uh, and just getting a little bit more success. And they did clinch up a couple of times, and you saw you know that Landy was definitely the stronger of the two. Um, yeah, he seemed to throw him about as soon as they clinched up. It was mm. Yancey who was getting thrown about and looking a little vulnerable there, looking the weaker of the two. Yeah, I thought Lando hit a couple of nice combinations in this round. And I did feel mm. his striking uh, picked up a little bit in that second round. Maybe it was a little bit more behind it or a bit more accurate, maybe a bit, more, a bit, more, a bit of a more pop, pop yeah. behind it. Um, yeah, without, without you know, Without really looking damage worthy it was just a yeah. bit sharper and a bit yeah he like had bit... his successes but um like i say they they, they were predominantly with his lead arm mm. no, no matter whether he threw a left or threw a right he switched his stance as he threw them um and so they they inevitably were, were always jabs or lead hooks um you know it, it just i don't know whether he just didn't have the, the range management for the cross hand 
Um, or is, you know, maybe he needs to work a little bit more on his actual boxing form. Now, I'm doing one-to-ones with my boxing coach at the minute. And um, one thing I'm finding is, you know, if you're slightly off balance, you lead over your, lean over your lead leg. Uh, when you throw your jab, your cross hand ain't got a prayer of, of truly landing on anyone with footwork skill. So, um, you know, maybe you, he's lacking a little bit of um, balance for his hands. Um, that's why we see him stepping through as much as he did. Or it could have been the strategy to stop Landy's, you know, flamboyant kicks. Um, you know, we, we don't can't really truly know the reason why he did that. But I felt like that went against him a little bit. I just felt like Landy could, um, you know, go in with not, not really any fear that something hugely consequential was going to happen in return. No, um, I was just going to say, Danny Batten just said he was with his boxing coach. Uh, so you heard it here first, Danny Batten preparing for his return to the MMA uh, cage to uh, regain his featherweight title. No, there you know go. what I'm doing it? I'm doing it because these youngsters, um, there's a few of them that I predominantly lose against now when I'm doing MMA rounds. And um, some of these other youngsters are really chasing at my tail already. So... Um, uh, I just felt like I need to make improvements with my, my, my hands and my balance again. So I always go back to my boxing coach. Every year I go back for a string of uh, one-to-ones and the EMOTs my game. So, you know, quite often he'll go over stuff that I've gone, you know, gone over many times before. It's all like you know it, but you're unaware of what you're doing because you're just doing it. Um, and uh, I've noticed there's been an issue with my balance now when I'm doing pads with him. He uh, got a very, very clever eye um, for for... for you know, the reasons why something ain't working for you when he yeah. sees you striking, you go, okay, you're doing your jab and you're not putting your right heel to the mat. So you're not pushing through with your lead hit when you're throwing your jab. So it's going to be short. If that's short, you ain't got a chance of making your cross land. Things like that. You know, he's a very clever man. Yeah, I was going to say, all the, whatever sport it is, whether it's combat sports or football or rugby or whatever, or even athletics, uh, you know, the very best coaches are able to watch someone go through their, you know, the motions of their sport. Yeah. And they pick up on the technical aspects, which is causing certain, you know, the outcome to not be what you want it to be or whatever yeah, yeah. issue it may be able to pick it up. And, you know, that's what the very best do, which you can yeah, get at yeah. BST, BST Academy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Live um, <laughs> so, yeah, the second round was very similar to the first in terms of yeah. there was nothing really significant in terms of getting through. But yeah, Van Lando did pick up his strike in a bit. Um, yeah, and then right towards the end of the round, uh, Lando backed up uh, Yancey against the cage. He sort of uh, yeah. not against the cage, but he backed him up, uh, hit him with a right hook. Um, yeah, grabbed him and he had him against the cage wall very, very briefly. And then yeah. Lando really did stun uh, Yancey with another kick to the midsection. And I think yeah. that was the one right as the round ended. Where you could yeah. see the that it was affecting him. He that was the third time he'd been caught there, and yeah. that third one looked, without looking brutal, it didn't look yeah. pleasant. No, no. But I mean, I think particularly for like casual viewers of MMA and boxing, is sometimes they write off these kind of body shots as, or you know, because they're not the big knockout, they don't mm. perhaps appreciate the damage that they do over three or five rounds in an MMA fight or 12 rounds in a boxing match that, you know, yeah. those blows to the ribs and the, and the legs. So it's, um, it's interesting to get your, you know, someone of your stature get explaining that. Yeah. Uh, the, the body kicks and, and, or, or 
body punches uh, and leg kicks. There, it's like um, you know, if you want to chop down a tree, you, you can't just go up to a tree and push it over. It, it just doesn't mm. happen. Um, you know, you've got to chop at it, and then you've got to chop at it in the correct type of way. You know, for it to fall in the right direction so it don't fall on you, and sort of thing. There's there's a technique to it, and you know, if you want to knock someone out, you know, it's really hard to knock someone out when they've got full footwork and full set of lungs on them. So if you body mm. shot someone, um, start working at their legs, either one of those makes them more static. And the more static they are, uh, the more they're hurting, the less clarity of mind they have, the more chance you have of landing that headshot that will knock them out. So it's all part of knocking down that tree. Um, it, it's a huge part. You know, if you just become a headhunter, yeah, you can still do it. But um, it's going to be a, a really you know, difficult quest if that's what you're getting seen to be doing time after time if, if they know you're just a headhunter you are limiting your tool set at the end of the day um and people will cotton on and start being elusive it's a little bit like um, jesse older you know he was smacking people's legs up people cottoned on to that and started adjusting their footwork adjusting their range of uh, boxing to avoid it and he, you actually see him become more and more ineffective and um, mm. he was that he was doing the kicks and they were he was unable to do the kicks people began to know he hunted for them and they took that equation and some of the rounds that um, and fights that Jesse Oldie was losing was the fact that he started getting um, slightly outboxed and outworked because um, he couldn't couldn't work the legs anymore. So, you know, things evolve. You can't just hunt for one thing. You, you, you've got to work the full aspect of the potential of MMA. That's why strategy is so hugely important. You could be equal in terms of technique um, and skill and ability, but the strategy is where it's going to steer it, steer it in your favour. Yeah, I think whether you're looking whether if a fighter is just looking for KOs or they're just looking for their jiu-jitsu or wrestling or whatever it is if you are one dimensional when you get mm. to the high level fighters or even mm. fighters who have got a high level coaching unit behind them yeah. they'll pick up on those things and you get found out very quick um yeah just to point out as well that uh, Modestus and uh, Tom Mearns both from you know, who obviously trained with you, uh, both spoke very, very highly of your uh, strategic MMA mind. Mm -hmm. oh, so well, there we go. I'll, ta I'll take that. <laughs> yep. So when you go when you go to the gym now, tomorrow, you have a T-shirt saying best strategic mind in the gym. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, that's what I was going to ask you very quickly before we go into the third round. Um, in terms as of as a fighter would you rather take take persistent kicks to the legs or like body shots into the ribs and midsection Ooh, that's like over three a... rounds or five rounds it's like it's different but same mm. <laughs> um that's such a hard one to answer it really is because it takes one decent leg kick and it can put you out you, you, yeah. you're finished same with a body kick um I'm going to say the legs for the simple fact that you have that there is a way to condition your legs uh, to be able to take the punishment more. Body shots, you can only work so much with it. It's really breathing out your shots and angling away from the power of the kick or the punch when it's coming in. So you have got to breathe properly. You've got to have a right concave to your body. So you don't want to be upright because your lungs press forward, um, which is what marathon runners do. Any long distance runner will run upright to open up their lungs. Um, but as a striker, you sit. Your, your body back your or correct him cameras yeah. reverse <laughs> uh, you want your body like so um, my tip of my fingers being in the head um, you set your lungs back 
um, and you've got to breathe out at the point of impact. So there is technique to try to resist those body shots, but I would say that's much harder to prepare for um, than you know if you know you're going up someone who likes to hack at the legs. You can prepare your legs to a point. Um, I always had very well conditioned legs. I learnt my lesson um, as you do throughout your fight career. I thought this guy called Neil McLeod always stand by the fact that he gave me the hardest fight I ever had in the very early days. He was like a European tie champion. He's like a world stick fighting champion. This guy knows everything about pain and, and um, how to give it. Um, I could barely walk for days after. He, he really nice. hacked my legs up. And, and that day onwards, I conditioned my legs and um, I never went through the same issue again. Uh, so it was a big lesson learned there. So I respect the leg kicker because I've been on the receiving end. Mm. And um, but I likewise put people on the receiving end. Um by learning that that's a great tool. Um, I took that from him. Um, I become a good leg kicker after this fight um, because I knew what he did to me. Yeah, I mean, you see some of the guys, like, you know, even years and years ago, but like, see some of the guys these days and their leg kicks are like rockets and they sound like like thunder as they're smashing yeah. into people's legs. They're so quick. And obviously, it's a lot easier to hide a leg kick than it is to hide like a, you know, like a, a spinning head kick or whatever, yeah. you know, you can disguise a leg, a low kick relatively easy. I would imagine. Yeah. You can certainly get in. It's easier to get in and it's less consequential. If you kick at the body, there is a chance they can catch the kick yeah, um, and, and take you down. Um, uh, it takes more energy to get your leg that much higher as well. Um, you do lose a little element of power, the higher you kick naturally. Um, so there's, you know, there's force and against either or. Um, but of course, hitting at the body don't just have to be kicks; it can be punches too. Well, right, okay. Let's move to the third round of uh, Lando versus yeah. Yancey. Uh, what did, yeah. oh, did you have the second round to Lando as well? Yeah, again, um, yeah, just because everything that you know he did do when it landed just looked like it had more meat on it. Um, yeah, yeah, just. Similar, similar to the first, uh, they were both getting into their groove a little bit more. You were seeing a little bit more from each of them, but I just felt like it was always slightly in Lando's favour each time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. So he, he really, he was two rounds up comfortably uh, yeah. going into that third round. How did you see that third round? Yeah, that third round. Um, Yancey had probably more success in that third round than he did any other, but his face was beginning to wear the damage. He was bleeding from the nose very early on in that third round. Um. But he actually rocked. I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was right about the halfway mark, maybe just past, that Yancey actually rocked uh, Lando with a, it looked like a one-two. Um, it was all quite quick when it happened. But, you know, it rocked him momentarily. That just couldn't follow up. You know, happening late in the third round, they were both a little fatigued. Um, yeah, it just couldn't make any more of it once he landed those two. Uh, but he had successes. But I just... Again, felt like Lando was always the one that was being more successful, although not as successful as we've seen him in the past against other fighters. But this is probably due to the fact that Yancey knew what he's capable of and, and made Lando less effective than we normally see him. Yeah, what was interesting, I thought, of the third round is that Venata was obviously clearly two rounds up, um, but he began the round charging at Yancey, uh, kind yeah. of having a few swings. Um, yeah. He, and then he finally goes for this uh, for a spinning back kick, um, yeah. which is then Yancey goes forward. He takes a few swings. Um, 
it didn't take long though after that sort of little flurry uh, yeah. in the opening moments uh, Lando yeah. then goes back to attacking the you know the legs with some low kicks yeah. um not a great deal else outside of what you just said and what I've just said um yeah. Lando hit a couple of combinations uh Yancey, like you say rocked him very very briefly yeah. um he did um Lando was looking for a, a sorry a takedown and Yancey kind of countered it with a, a pretty strong elbow strike um yeah and then he Lando kind of finished off then with just a, a couple of combinations and yeah. as, it fin- as the round finished Lan- uh, Yancey was sort of swinging away but I felt like maybe he left it left that flurry of being a bit more aggressive and swinging maybe left it a little bit late. Maybe you could have yeah. pushed, for, pushed forward a bit earlier because, you know, it, it was yeah. relative, relatively clear that he was two rounds down. So maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he should have been the one charging uh, at the yeah. third round rather than I Lando. think so. But can you imagine trying to charge at someone like Lando? He's yeah, that's such the problem, isn't it? slick footwork. He's one of these guys who leaves his arms down by his side um, and, and uses elusivity. In, in, in the form of his footwork and he does bob and weave his head a lot he's obviously you know got a really fast eye uh, and, mm. and reactions to his to, to things that are coming towards him so you know going at someone like that it must be quite hard must be quite hard um, you know because this guy can do single strike counters which makes it all all a bit deaf to find to just go and chase someone down like that um, yeah so I, I you are right Yancey should have really just gone all out to try and catch him with something, try and really steal the round big and, and maybe create a stoppage. But I just felt like maybe he just didn't have anything to put to him to question what was already happening. Because each round was so, so similar to, to the previous. Couldn't find the answers. It must be, it must be hard trying to nail uh, someone who is so quick and elusive as mm. Lando, particularly, yeah. like you say, when you know that if you do go and try and hunt him down and you miss your attempt at a strike, he's going to be able to nail you with a quick shot, which could potentially knock you out. Yeah. So it's, I guess you've got to pick your moments. Obviously speaking yeah. as, as a non-fighter, I, I'm guessing you've got to pick your moments, but equally, you know, if he, if he wants to win that fight, he's got to win. He's got to probably finish it in the third round. Uh, yeah. Yancey. So he's maybe he should have done it a bit early, but, I, overall, I thought Lando was pretty impressive without being yeah, incredible. We, we saw a calmer Lando. I mean, we've seen him coming out, you know, busting loads of energy on kicks that, that are great to watch, but some of them would miss a mile as well. Um, yeah. Obviously got incredible fitness to be able to keep doing that as much as we've seen him do in the past. But yeah, it was like he, we saw a more mature him. Um whether it's maybe his fitness wasn't up there as much as he was or whether it's the styles that stopped him being the way we've seen him in the past. I think it was a good thing that we, what we saw was we did see him look more mature. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether he has that same thing going into um, his next fight. Yeah. Like I said, at, at the start of the fight, I think it was a very professional uh, performance. Um, yeah, and like you say, he was calmer, maybe more, a bit more precise than normal. Um, yeah, without those kind of exciting uh, potential knockouts 
uh, yeah. involved. Uh, yeah. Next up, we had Rogero Bonturin versus Ray Borg. Um, yes. So yeah, was it Ray Borg? Was... He was he didn't make weight, did he? Is that right? I don't know if you've heard about that. I heard him talk I'd about have it. To, I'd have to double check that, but I, yeah, I take your word. Take your word for it. I yeah, it. I believe he missed uh, weight uh, slightly because um, he's mm. come down, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, he's come down uh, a weight. Um, I'm surprised for that because uh, he's normally one who's pretty good. Um, yeah. but it shows how difficult it is to come down a weight, particularly yeah. if you're as big as or the size of Ray Borg. Um, yeah. You know, it's difficult then, isn't it, to make that weight? But if sure. you're going to come down, you've got to make that weight, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, what a good fight. Um, I really enjoyed this one. It was one. exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was really exciting. Um, it was one of those ones that very quickly got a theme. Once one fighter got success over the other, um, it kind of set a precedent for the rest of the fight. Um, but when – I'm just trying to get this fight up. Yeah, he did. Uh, uh, he did miss. He missed weight, and uh, apparently his opponent was not happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Out. I mean, you really shouldn't be doing that at this level. It's pretty, you know, it's not acceptable. To be fair, um, right. So while you're yeah, this, look, I'll um, go on. Yeah, this this fight was um, you know really good. But when when Ray is his wrestling. He's he switched it up. I mean, yeah, you 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 don't see someone get out wrestled like that very often, other than when you see Khabib. But um, he dropped levels. Um, he was switching from doubles into singles, um, going to the back. Um, I think once he tasted that success and the ease of how he got what he wanted, he knew exactly where to go to each time. Um, you know, yeah, he, yeah, he had him where he wanted, didn't he? Yeah, and his elbow strikes, once he did succeed with the takedown, oh, it, it, it looked brutal. It really did look brutal. Yeah, there was a couple which um quite nasty. Those elbows that you were thinking, oh, I'm not sure how many of those you could take. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I felt like once he got him down that first time, he yeah. knew, didn't he? He knew, right, this is it now. If if I I can take it, almost take him down at will. I know that's, yeah. I don't want to sound disrespectful to his opponent, but it did no. feel like once he did it and he realised the ease at how he did it, yeah, it yeah. was almost like, uh, yeah, right, this is it. Uh, this um, is what we're doing. This is what we're doing tonight. And uh, the, uh, his opponent did not have uh, an answer. No, and at Bonturin, he looks like a strong dude as well. Um mm. You know, he, he looks like a specimen, but yeah, I mean, technique will you know outdo that physique if you're if you're lacking mm. by a considerable margin. They look like two different levels of wrestlers. Um, yeah, so yeah, we, we we see the takedown, and from there, I just, really good control um, and ferocious looking ground a pound because um, Bonterin was trying to get his uh, guard up high. Um, mm. And he's doing a good job to try and get it up, but the consequence of getting coming up high is that, the, you know, if you're trying to get a high guard on someone who's trying to get a high posture, the risk is that they obviously can come raining down with some big shots. It's really quite hard in MMA to 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 work a high guard with someone who's going to have devastating potential ground and pound like that. How he never got opened up, I never know. Um, yeah, it just didn't say. quite land right. But he 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 wore the threat of those elbows very very well. 
you come out relatively unscathed. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Bonterin really, really struggled. It, it looked like he just did not have an answer for the wrestling, did not have uh, an answer for the ground game. Um, he had enough to keep surviving. Um, but after that first round, he was left with some big questions going back. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would have liked to have seen him try to stay on the feet more, but you know, it just kept getting put to the ground time and time again. He had, he had no <laughs> no ability to stop it. It appeared. It must be um, as a fighter once you get into a fight and you realise that you've got uh, a tool which is doing the mm. job so uh, so easily or so, you know doing it well. It must be difficult to not keep going back to it. Yeah. If you know what I mean, yeah. because well, it's working, and it did work. Yeah, even as what, the, what even as the fight went on, he didn't have an answer for it, did he? You know, um, it's not like he struggled in the first round with it, and then mm. as the second round went, he started to get to grips with it. He yeah. struggled to do anything from the take to defend the takedown throughout the whole yeah. fight. Yeah, um, yeah. So, like you say, you know, Borg took him down quite a few times. I think it was three or. four three times in the yeah, first round three four times um, yeah and he was hitting him with elbow strikes ground and pound um and as the round finished he scored another takedown and he had him and uh, he gets half guard and borgs lands lands the the ground and pound yeah. to finish the finish the round um yeah. comfortable 10-9 or a 10-8 yeah do you think a 10-8 um, uh, uh, not not uh, quite a 10 uh, to, to me a 10 8 would have to be like a domination on whereas with something consequential uh, i would have uh, for, to score a 10 8 i, I think i want to see you know a punch that rocks the guy that leads to him to be taken down and getting ground and pounded and maybe have a a, a back take with a submission attempt as well I'd, yeah you know i, I would score a 10 8 where being dominated on whereas of course if it is just left on the feet and the guy ain't even trying to take it to the ground if he's just chasing him around locking him Dizzy all the time for a whole round, then you, you know you can also give it a yeah. ten eight. Um, I wouldn't say it's quite a ten eight, but it's certainly a very dominant ten nine. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Um, Borg couldn't have done much more, I don't think, in that first no, round. No, no, it, it was great without um, overworking himself and overexerting himself. Um, he did did just as bad as good as anyone could against uh, that guy in the first round. Um, yeah, so um, we've got gone. Yeah, we've got the sec- that second round, isn't good. it? Yeah, yeah, the yeah second absolutely. round. Um, and the second round, you know, he, he come chasing straight for him. He knew what he wanted. Um, and, um, he did good trying to defend it for for a bit. He was defending that single, um, and it looked like he was um, going to get himself out. But the relentless pressure of Borg, he, he just kept on at him and just got him where he wanted to again. But um, it was good because he, he, he caught the, the knee, um, Bjorg, and then he went up to the waist. Then he went to the single. Then he went to go back to the waist again. But it looked like it was going to slip away from him. But he persisted back, driving back up with that single leg um, and got the hips back into play and then went to the back standing up from there. Um, then he dumps him down uh, face first, which you don't see very often. You know, no. It's often we see takedowns or throws being to the side or, over the back but to be picked up and thrown to your front like that you don't normally see which worked out well because that's what was getting him to the back position um, so good because he's throwing him face first to the ground uh, then yeah, we saw went... stuck on the back didn't we for quite some time you know trying to work yeah, that choke that. I was there for well I think a minute and a half two minutes 
yeah, he was hunting for that rear naked choke, wasn't he? And um, mm. he was still attacking him with strikes as well. Um, eventually, uh, Bonatorian manages to sort of shake him off his back, but he literally almost straight away takes him down again. Um, and he gets the ground a pound, and then Bonatorian yeah. stands up again, but Borg jumps on his back just as the round ends. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that second round, like Bonatorian did better with his defence. But ultimately, yeah. Ray Borg is, you know, he's dominating him with his wrestling and then he's looking for the rear naked choke or he's looking for a ground opponent and he's got it. Uh, yeah, I more, mean, more, you know, more often than not. If, if a wrestler is, is getting that, that kind of deep shoot, um, you know, you will be able to defend one or two transitions. But they're not going to get tired because this is what they do day in, day That's what they've done since kids quite often. Um, he, he just... Yeah, he got put into his world. Um, he did okay, but it was only ever going to go one way. And uh, Ray Borg knew that, and so he kept putting it there. Um, he, he, I think he was struggling with the finish because he chose to do a body triangle. I think when you do body triangle, it's quite hard to finish with a rear naked choke because you can't penetrate your hips through. Whereas if you have hooks in, you can push your hips in to stretch their body out to pull up on the neck, um, which consequently makes the chin lift. Um, and you can get a cleaner choke. Doing a body triangle, they can stoop forward, keep their chin low, um, and they can access your wrists. Um, so it, it wouldn't be my preferred choice for a control while trying to choke someone. I'd use the body triangle more to try and you know work angled elbows maybe. Um, okay. But I think that's possibly why you know, we wasn't seeing a finish there because of his choice of control. Yeah, I mean, let's make no mistake, uh, Ray Borg is a high-level wrestler as well. Um, yeah. you know, he's not uh, like a beginner or a, you know, a rookie. He's uh, he's wrestling at a very high level. Um, yes. And what a tour in, didn't really have an answer for it. Uh, so 10-9 no. again in the second round there for oh, Ray yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, convincing 10-9. And, um, you know, I began to think, well, you know, this is going to be an exciting third round because I thought Bonatorin was going to come out absolutely chasing him down. Um, but again, like I say, he went back to his corner, come back with no real answers to the issues in hand. Yeah. Um, although you did see a little fatigue creeping in. Ray Borg was kept, although he got his takedowns early, the takedowns started not to be slams. He was really picking them up and turning them in the air for the first two takedowns in the third round. But as the round progressed, um, you know, he was still getting him down, but it was more dragging him down. Uh, but I think it was just all too late. He, he still had enough fuel to get all the way home. Um, yeah, I felt sorry for <laughs> Bonatorin because I, I kind of experienced that helplessness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the, the time I get to experience it when I'm facing some of my students that have got a weight advantage on me and they're sort of half my age. And um, you kind of, that helpless feeling is just, just awful. <laughs> when, you, when you start to get fatigued as well, it limits your strategical approach to the, the situation in hand. So I've really felt for him and um, he did what he could. Uh, he has to go away and become better if he wants to face people like Ray Borg. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, without going back, I'm not going to go back through that round three because it's a lot more of the same. same. Um, yeah. And like you say, the first couple of rounds, he was picking him up and overpowering him that way. Whereas yeah. as the fatigue snuck in for Borg as well yeah. he's just dragging him to the floor whereas like you say you know wrestlers high level wrestlers have been doing it since they were kids 
So they're used to just yeah. wrestling, wrestling, wrestling yeah. over and over again, day in, day out. So, yeah. you know, it makes no difference to him whether he's throwing you to the floor or dragging you down uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, with just sheer power. Um, and even as the round finishes, Borg attacks him with some ground pound and he gets up and he drags him back down to the ground yeah. as the Smothered. round's finishing. Um, so, yeah, comfortable, uh, unanimous decision. Uh, I had it as 30-27, 10-9 in every round. Uh, exactly one, ju- that, yeah. one, one judge had it as 30-25, uh, but the other two had it as yeah, 30-27. I could understand that, but, you know, for me personally. Which, uh, you know, yeah, which rounds do you think the judge, that judge gave us 10-8? Uh, I would say it would have been the second and the third. The fact that in, in the third, he was, he was just kind of all over him. Um, yeah. The second, but, but he was going for finishes as well, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the second one was the one that he looked like he could try and put him away with a submission. But um, yeah, I just think thereafter, they got well. too gassed to. Uh, mm. Yeah, obviously, you know, we can only surmise he had a bit of a weight cut issue, which would have taken some zest out of him. Um yeah, if he can if he can put that way, and Rage Borsch can carry on performing the way he has done, he's going to be an exciting prospect. Yeah, that weight could be good for him. It's a shame that he didn't make weight because if he had yeah. made weight and then performed like that, it's yeah. impressive, really impressive, isn't it? But they're, they're yeah. missing the weight, kind of takes yeah, the edge put, off the performance a little bit. They put a little put a little shadow over the performance, um, but. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves and, and, and be too crazy harsh uh, as much as I really do find it unacceptable for you not to be able to make weight on such a big event. Um, it is a new weight division for him. Yeah. As uh, long as he puts this wrong right and he can perform at, at, at this weight by making weight, uh, we can see him making weights in that division. Absolutely. I agree completely. Uh, next up was Brock Weaver versus Kazula Vargas. It didn't. It lasted four minutes. Uh, oh, yeah. Ended yeah. in disqualification via a legal knee strike. The first of the yes. evening. Yeah, and what a knee strike it was. I mean, it really hit home. Yeah, uh, yeah it was nasty. Um, absolutely right that the ref stopped it because I, I think initially the fighter wanted to carry on, but I don't <clears> think he was fully aware what happened to him. No, no. Um, but his arms went out straight um, and his body jolted as he received the knee as well. His body really jolted as he, as he claps down. Because um, he barely got up onto his side, and he definitely w- was not, not even on his way up, really, um, when he yeah. received that knee. Do you know what I found weird about it? Yeah, I do think it's inexcusable, this one, because what I found weird about this one is this wasn't a case of, uh, you know, like where they've changed the rules about one hand on the floor and yeah. uh, two hands on the floor, etc. So when it's like that and they've got one hand on the floor, I can understand the confusion for some fighters where they're adapting to the or where they were sure. adapting to those new rules, but this wasn't that. No, he was he <laughs> this was, was he was down and he just cracked him. I don't know whether it yeah. was a rush of blood or what, but yeah, it was uh, nasty. no, this was this was um, completely um, illegal, no matter what. <laughs> you know, it's, it wasn't even uh, on his way. I don't know what the guy was thinking caught up in a moment but I don't know at this level you shouldn't be inexperienced to be kneeing someone who's pretty much on his side um, yeah. it, it was a disgusting knee um, very lucky he didn't could've, get opened up with it could have done some real damage you know yeah. um, 
to to crack someone in in the head like with your knee yeah. like that is you could do some real damage, which is why the rules are there about you yeah. know downed opponents and uh, knee strikes. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be happy if uh, you know if I was uh, Brock Weaver, I would be very upset. Yeah, 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 and rightly so. Um, which was a shame because up until then, the, the, the performance was looking very good, um, you know, very aggressive. Um, too much so because <laughs> uh, it, it went to a point of being a bit carried away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a shame. It was a shame. What do you think that is? Like, do you think it was just a rush of blood where he was being aggressive and he just kind of did it without thinking? It's, yeah, I, know it's difficult I mean, to think, like, what he's thinking, I, but it just seems a strange I'm, one. I'm guessing we've all got a different level of animal in us. Um, and this guy's obviously got an animal type instinct. Um, I know he doesn't hold back in saying about how courageous he is and how he's, he's obviously got that mindset. Um, he's got the mindset to kill. And uh, th- that's the way he does it. And uh, unfortunately, it's going to lead sometimes to situations like this, I'm guessing. If he you know, get, gets, let's the occasion get away with himself, I think it's maybe he had such a dominant position so early on, he had all this pent-up energy, and he just responding at a first instinctual thought. Um the head become available to him and he need it. Uh, it's not my way of thinking, but you know, you've got to understand that different fighters um, have a different way of approaching these fights. And this guy's obviously the type that sees it as a, as, as a real fight. Um, and he just responded on saw a target and he hit out of it with what was available, which was his knee. Doesn't make it right. It wasn't right. Um, I hope you don't see that again. Because of, um, I think if he makes a habit of that, he'll be out of UFC pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next up was uh, Montana De La Rosa defeated uh, Mara Romero Barella uh, by unanimous yeah. decision 30 27, 30 27, 30 27. Uh, yeah. This, I thought this was quite an exciting fight, quite inter- or an interesting fight at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I enjoyed this. Um, you know, saw a little bit of striking, we saw a little bit of grappling, um, some good wrestling from both. Uh, I quite liked mm. it. Uh, it was a good good technical bout throughout. Um, yeah, it, it had my eyes glued to the screen, this one. Um, yeah, very, very enjoyable. Yeah, so the round um, began, uh, De La Rosa and Barella, they pretty much come swinging out at each other straight away. They didn't hang about uh, having yeah. a look at each other. Uh, De La yeah. Rosa goes for the high kick. Then Barella uh, scores a takedown. Yes. But, uh, De La Rosa was able to get back up, but ate a few strikes on the way up. Uh, De La yeah. Rosa then she scored a, a take. Sorry, she, De La Rosa scores a takedown on Barella. Barella scrambles back to get control. Um, mm-hmm. It was very back and forth those early moments. Yeah, yeah. No, it was in in the first round. It was you know very back and forwards. Um, uh, but like I say, you know, I, I, from both parts, I, I was impressed with, with both their games, and um, it, it really left me wondering how that second round was going to go. You know, it was not a strong precedent set by either of them going into that second round. So you know, the first round was what it was. But I was really curious uh, and, and well, on the edge of my seat a little bit on seeing how this would go in the second round. Um, and um, you know, we got to see some some good wrestling exchanges and um, some good. Uh, grappling and some good control as well. Um, yeah, um, typical 
the ladies. You know, I, I love watching them, as you know. Um, saw a lot of technicalities going on. We've um, last three shows. I think we've some of the women's bouts have been incredible. Yeah, um, have. we've been really, really treated to some high level uh, women's MMA. Um, yeah. You know, in, and in different ways, wasn't there? There, there was the one, uh, before, I think it was the Holly Home fight, where it, which was exceptional uh, mm. on the ground. And then yeah. you had Shevchenko last week, just unbelievable striking. Yeah. Um, and then you got one like this, which is back and forth. Um, and even as the round finished, they were sort of, uh, De La Rosa scrambled to her feet. She gets it back. She jumps on the back of the stand in Barella. And then De La Rosa yeah. gets off her back and she lands a few knee strikes as the round ends. Um, I had this one marginally to De La Rosa, only yeah. marginally though. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, uh, mainly for the the grappling control. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was good. I, she agree, she was absolutely. she had a bit more. She was a bit more aggressive, and uh, she had just a bit more about. Yeah. Her. Only I think it was close though. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Round, round two began with uh, De La Rosa attacking Barrera with a kick to the midsection. Um, we've seen a few of them throughout the evening, yeah. uh, and this one was no less uh, painful looking. Uh, Barella cracked De La Rosa with a few rights in return. Rosa uh, charges at Barella, swinging at her. Uh, De La Rosa dragged Barella to the ground. Uh, she literally just dragged her to yeah, the ground. Yeah, um, managed to get back control. Uh, she peppered her with some sort of strikes. Um, and then she transitioned from uh, to side control, where she was able, she wasn't able to do much from the side control, which meant she kind of returned to back control. Um, mm. And she was attacking with the ground and pound and the round ended. I thought De La Rosa took that round a bit more comfortably than the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, she started to really, you know, show dominance in the ground arts. You know, she really did. She was, she was um, showing really good composure, really good control. She never looked like she was going to, do something that might lose the position. She just kept no. real composed, um, you know, trying for the subs, looking for the strikes. It was a very steady, dominant performance in that second round. Yeah, she kind of adjusted her position well as well, didn't she? You know, if if yeah. she couldn't she couldn't get the submission from the back, she'd move to the side, and all the while she was, you know, she, she kept working with strikes to make sure the referee yeah. didn't uh, get overexcited and stand them up. And, yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. she was impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Third round was much of the same. They start swinging at each other, and they weren't afraid. You know, every round really, they start. You know, they didn't eye each other up or anything. They were straight in, mm. looking for those yeah. strikes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Barella, you know, she held her form like she was the better striker. Um, mm. she, she had slightly tighter form. She looked like she could stalk well. But when she threw her shots, her shots were she was throwing her hands kind of short. They were like, um, yeah, they were like peppering. They, they weren't. She weren't ripping her shoulders. She she was punching from the shoulder, not ripping her shoulders. She weren't getting a hold of her body twisting into her shots. She kind of clustered and crowded her own work a little bit. Um, you know, but she she looked like she should have struck better with the look of her form of her guard than she actually did. And of course, Della Rosa cracks her, doesn't she? And knocks her off her feet, knocks her back. Um, and then we're back into the ground scenario again. Uh, where she didn't look like she had many answers, and and there it stayed for much of the round. Yeah, it uh, spent a long time on the second part of the round. Um, yeah, and you're right. I think Barella, similar to the 
uh, the earlier fight with Ray Borg, she didn't have those answers on the ground. Whilst uh, whilst it was stood up, like mm. you say, she technically looked pretty good. She just yeah. didn't have the the defense almost to do anything off the ground. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So De La Rosa dropped her with a right, and she gets the top yeah, control. That- that surprised me because, like I say, Borella's form was really good. I was actually surprised a shot got through like that. Mm. Um, to kind of like really jolted me with a little surprise. Um, I was thinking, oh, crikey, no, she's she's got to really make a play to get back to her feet real quick. But she didn't. She she uh, accepted that back position a little bit too willingly. You know, maybe you know knocked her dizzy more than we realised. Yeah, but she kind of then got stuck on her back, and it wasn't you know forecasting well for her. Yeah, and she she kind of she took some ground a pound from the from the ground, obviously, um, and then De, De La Rosa is finishing the round. She's trying to get an arm uh, arm triangle choke. Triangle, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, the round ends comfortable victory, but exciting, yeah, absolutely enjoyable fight to watch. It was a good, clean, technical bout. I, I enjoyed watching it. There were some really nice takedowns. I don't know what you would call them, but where they're behind um, and De La Rosa was stepping. Um, to go, you know, trip her back. Um, yeah, you know, it's a nice takedown. Um, there was good, good little exchanges there. Um, there was just, you know, there was no real close submissions that had you on the edge of your seat, really. No. Um, and there was no huge consequential ground and pound that made you go ooh or ah. But the fight was a good, clean, you know, technical bout, um, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought. Um, I. Th- Montana uh, De La Rosa looked about as impressive as she could have without finishing the fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay, now for the the controversial fight, I suppose. Um, it annoyed me, i got to say, so I might have a little rant about this. But uh, yeah. Diego Sanchez versus Michelle Pereira. Uh, yeah. Okay, give me your overall thoughts before we go round by round. Um, confused <laughs> um, you know uh, Diego I've been a fan of his courageous mentality to the sport um, you know I, I know I, I, I'm, I'm quite stubborn in my mind in terms of when I spar and when I fought I was always quite stubborn to not back down from people coming at you hard etc blah 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 um, this guy impressed me with the fact that he, he would go at someone no matter what no matter what the consequences he takes the fight to people Um I know he's got good ground skills and, and reasonable wrestling, but he's never looked a great striker. But he's always willing to trade with much better strikers than himself and just outwork them and, and, and be so, so, so tough and durable that I think he's pulled off wins just because they've tried to defeat this guy that's... Feels undefeatable, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. He just seems to swallow punishment and have cardio for, for days. Um, but we didn't see that Diego Santis... Tonight, I was left scratching my head. Um, like I said, you know, he's never been a strategic fighter. He fights the same way every single time. He doesn't impress me with his striking, but he's willing to trade shots. And he grinds people down. He makes it a messy affair. Um, but it can be so good to work, watch. You normally see some blood. You see him getting rocked. You see him rocking someone else. Um, always has a crazy, crazy, um, crazy fight. But this just wasn't. It was it was him footworking away. I don't know whether it was the size of Pereira because Pereira's big at the weight. It really is. He's tall, yeah. very athletic. But if we've seen one thing from Pereira is that his cardio ain't good, and particularly if you make a messy fight of it, which you would think would suit Diego Sanchez. 
Um, why didn't he press forward and 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 make a grind from the get-go to try to take this thing out of the tower of Pereira? Was he intimidated by the size? Was his training camp not so good? Is it the fact that he's changed camps um, and they just don't have a clue? Because in between the rounds, nothing that should have been said was being said and um, no changes were being made. It was baffling at that level. Yeah, I number one, I thought the the team for Diego Sanchez in between rounds, I thought they were dreadful. Um, yeah, agreed. I thought they could have really helped him out during this fight for all the reasons that you've just said. They needed yeah. to encourage him to fight his normal way, uh, fight yeah. his, you know, make it a dirty fight, make it yeah. press press Pereira, because that would have yeah. suited him both for his own game, but also made yeah. Pereira uncomfortable. They yeah. just... And they didn't. And the advice they did give was, I wasn't particularly yeah. uh, or impressive. They didn't actually tell him how to infiltrate a plan. No. They didn't give him a, any true a lot advice. Of nothing, wasn't work. it? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was pointless than being there. It really was. So I don't know whether I, I sh- I'm angry and upset at Diego or whether it's his team. But you'd think Diego's so experienced that he would have been able to figure this problem out himself. Um, for me, Pereira is someone very beatable for Diego, even though he is a bigger man, even though he's extremely athletic and flamboyant and potentially very dangerous with his striking. You know, we know that he's only got a round and a half in him if someone can push him. And Diego yeah. is that pusher type of stylist. But it just was not the Diego Sanchez that we've seen of old. And quite frustrating to see him. He's doing a weird thing with his arms, almost pointing his fingers forward. Surprised he didn't get more warnings. For doing that, because yeah, it was really good. like really high really up, extended, well. absolutely strange. Um, I don't know what he felt that that was giving him or gaining him because he was predominantly having to use his footwork to, to keep at range or he was choosing to, so there was no need to use that long guard either. It was just a mix and match of strategies that just didn't suit the circumstance or suit the opponent he was up against. Um, but he didn't break this theme, he kept doing the same thing round in, round out. Maybe you know, he was pushing a little bit more. In the last round, but it was all just slipping away in such a frustrating fashion. Um, yeah, I was kind of annoyed, left annoyed at the end of it. Like I said, I don't know if to be angry at him or the or the, or the camp. Yeah, it was first very frustrating. It was really weird because he came out um, first round, first ten seconds or first five seconds, and he hits, the, tries to hit like a rolling wheel kick. And you yeah. think, there we go. Here, oh. here goes Diego Sanchez. You oh, just... Straight away. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, here we go. This is going to be, because I know, I know what Pereira's like. Oh, this is going to be fireworks. Yeah. Um, but he did that and then ran away Nothing. from <laughs> the strangest thing. Strangest yeah, thing. Yeah, it was very, very strange. Um, I'm not going to break it down like blow by blow because um, just for simple reason, really, that, Pereira's striking was very much as you'd imagine. It was yeah. decent in the first round. But, but Diego Sanchez kind of ran away. Well, not run away, but he was constantly moving away. Very um, disengaging. So Pereira yeah. couldn't even look his usual self. Um, he couldn't and, look as good as we know he can look. This, this on paper looked like an incredible matchup. Um, this was, you know, out of all the fights before you're actually diving in and looking at them. I was like, oh, that's going to be fight of the night. Yeah. It, just yeah. Was, it, was, it was the worst fight of the night. Um, and then 
Sanchez would then out of like occasionally try and hit like a spinning back fist or something like that. Yeah, Pereira avoid, avoid it, and then it would go yeah. back to like this, like you uh, disengaging. I think is the the best word that you like that yeah. you just used to describe it. Um, yeah. Second round was much the same, although I thought Sanchez did fire back a little bit, but still yeah. nowhere near what we were expecting before the fight. And what you know would put Pereira in trouble, what we've seen Diego Sanchez do for so many yeah. years. Um, yeah. And then in the third round, uh, Pereira hits him with a illegal knee strike. It is a legal knee strike. You know, it was rightly uh, halted. Yeah. But the rest of the come in. Um, it wasn't like the earlier knee strike, where the earlier knee strike locked, knocked him flat out. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you can't carry after that. that. This one just caught it. He caught him. Um, he didn't go down. Uh, it did cut him, I think. Um, yeah, I think it cut him high on the forehead. Um, we don't know how deep that went. Um, you know, up on the forehead, you can get cut quite lacerated quite deep. Yeah, that's the reason in why they ne- never let it carry on. Well, yeah, it wasn't. After... It wasn't them, though, was it? The doctor came in and the doctor said, you know, he's good to go. Um, yeah. And then the referee asked Sanchez, "Do you want to continue? There's not long left. There was two minutes right. left." Um, and Sanchez said, um, or he was asking, basically I'm paraphrasing, but he's asking, if I say no, will I yeah. win the fight? And yeah. I'm thinking, no, come on, you don't want to win like this. Don't do it like this. Don't yeah, do yeah, it yeah. like this. And I could not believe my eyes and ears when I mm. saw him then say, and they, or then he asked to see, speak to his coach. Obviously, he's not allowed to do that. Yeah. And I could not believe my eyes and ears when he then said, no, I'm not good to go because I just yeah. thought that's just that not f- him, is it? No. And that, that felt to me like someone uh, who was having a bit of a cop out who, who knew they were losing the fight and mm. weren't having a good night Yeah, and decided to take the easy option. Now, yeah, you know, I don't want to be, I'm not trying to be kind of disrespectful to Diego Sanchez. I've loved watching his fights over the years, mm. but overall this fight, he just wasn't himself. And I feel like he really, really took the easy option out. And, you know, I'm not... Who am I to criticise fighters? They put their life on the line every time they fight. I know that. But mm. this didn't feel right. Yeah, no, it didn't feel right. And um, and like, you know, you said, when, when this communication between him and the ref was, was taking place, I mean, Diego's whole attitude has always appeared to be I'd much rather put on an exciting, courageous fight and lose than I would have a boring one and win, let's just say, or to win in the way that he did with the, the, the disqualification. Um, who knows? Maybe it's something going on in his personal life. We can only ever surmise these things, which is what I, mean, I yeah, always go back to. I don't want to be over harsh because I've still got a huge amount of respect for what he's done for the sport. I've really enjoyed watching him over the years. Could that fight be an earmark of maybe, you know, to say that you know Diego Sanchez is now done, yeah, um, I I would be happy to see him retire, not based on that performances, yeah, but just for the fact that he's been in that so many wars, it's not it's not like that he's going to be a UFC champion. He could be a bit no. of a gatekeeper, but I think he's better than that. Um, yeah, maybe maybe he should be, you know, looking to call it a day. Like to me, it felt like he wasn't um, like the referees. Out, the doctor said he's all right, which. 
Mm. Like you, you don't know how he's feeling. His eyes himself. are clear. Yeah, but but he's not asking the. You know, he's not. You'd expect Diego Sanchez to be saying, "I'm fine. I'm fine." Restart the fight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas he's kind of trying to work out whether if we don't restart the fight, do I win? And that to me was what was disappointing him because he wasn't saying, "I'm not fit enough to carry on," or "I feel yeah. you know dizzy, dizzy or whatever it may be." He kind of said, was asking. Like, yeah, he played the he system. Wanted... It's almost yeah, like and he played then, the system. And then, funny enough, when the referee waved it off and the crowd started booing, and I think he, it kind of clicked with him what he had done. Yeah. He said he, he sort of was saying to the ref loudly, "I've I've got blood in my eye. I can't see." But obviously, the doctor had cleared the blood yeah, away. Yeah. It just felt a bit. I, I'm I'm stuck because I don't want to be disrespectful to any fighters, but yeah, it felt like a bit of a cop out and yeah, yeah it was uh, frustrating the whole the whole thing. Awesome. Yeah, um, who knows what's going to happen from here on out? I, I don't know what's going to happen with his career now. Um, yeah, time will time will tell. But you know, for Pereira, you know, okay, he should, definitely should not have done that knee. Um, no. But you know he performed well as much as he could perform well with someone disengaging as much as he did. We didn't we didn't see him doing what he normally does um, in terms of his flamboyancy um, because you know Sanchez was backpedaling so much. But he did well with what he had. It it just ended so badly for them both. Really, um, yeah, a forgettable occurrence really is. Yeah, disappointing all round really. Um, yeah, I got to say. One person who will be very annoyed by that is Dana White. So I'll, uh, I might seek oh, yeah. out his seek out yeah. his interview after that. Yeah, yeah, he Is doesn't he... hold back when he's disappointed or no. You know, or so it'd be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he says and thinks about the whole situation. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Let's move on to the main event, which finished, yeah. you know, for the right reasons. Uh, yeah. Corey Anderson, fresh off his win against Johnny Walker. Uh, was yes. defeated in by Jan Oblachowicz, uh yeah. in the first round after three minutes and eight seconds via KO. Yeah. Yes. Oof. Some big hits. Yeah, I mean, in this weight division, nothing's a guarantee till till the fight's over. Um, Corey was looking initially pretty good. Um, surprised me, he wasn't looking to clinch up. Um, I think he was wanting to make a statement with his striking. Uh, and I don't even think Jan looked that good with his striking. He wasn't looking that great. Um, you know, it, it, when he was throwing his right hand, it was sort of looping a little bit off balance, a little bit obvious. Um, yeah, it, it just wasn't performing great for me. His footwork wasn't impressing me. There's nothing that was impressing me with Jan. And and Corey was the one looking looking good initially with his footwork and and striking forward. He was he was looking the better of the two, more composed. Looking more pretty, uh, looking more relaxed. But then, very quickly, in you know, it's no big secret to what happened. I mean, he got clobbered uh, with the right hand, I believe, um, and it was yeah. over just like that. Really is. But I know Yan then ran over to the cage, didn't he? Pointing to uh, John, John Jones. John Jones. John you know, I don't want to take anything away from him. that. Jan. Yeah, uh, he's just not up there with that level. Um, I know Jan probably wants his payday, um, which yeah, of you course. get to face someone like Jones. 
Um, I feel I feel a bit bad. You know, the fight game is what it is, and and there's the puncher's chance. I feel like Corey got caught by the puncher's chance. Um, I don't want to say luck because I don't believe in that. Um, but at this weight, it only takes one to hit home, and it could be curtains. It, it that's just the way it was this time around. I think I think probably eight out of ten times these two would face Corey would win. Um, I think two of those ten for the fact of the punching chance, um, I would give it to Jean. And this is one of those times Jean <laughs> come off victorious. Yeah, Corey looked like you say he was light on his feet. He exchanged a couple of jabs, leg kicks. He looked yeah. for a takedown, he... and I felt like that was going to be his best chance was to take uh, Blahovic down. Um, totally agree with he, that. I did it at the start. What tried mm. to do it at the start, but Blahovic avoided it, and then he didn't go for yeah. it again. I know the fight wasn't long, but he just yeah. tried to stand and bang with him, and and. He just before he popped him with the two punch combination, which finished him, he just yeah. caught him with a couple of um, couple of lefts. Uh, yeah, he after, did, yeah. Just after Anderson nailed him, and Anderson hit him in the midsection, and then straight mm. after Blahovic hit him with two left hands, and then yeah. that was like almost like the trigger or something yeah. because Anderson kind of got no, I don't want to say distracted, but like just took his eye off the ball and. Mm. You know, he nailed him with those two big strikes, and yeah, you know, like you say, at this weight, it's uh, curtains. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's you know partly why the uh, you know this weight division is so good to watch. You know, they're still light enough to be you know good to watch on the eye when they deliver their strikes and exchanges. Uh, but they've got a lot of weight behind those those punches and kicks, and, and any one of them that land with any precision. Yeah, could potentially end the fight. And, um, that's the excitement of, the, of that division. You you can be a lesser fighter in terms of skill set, but you've got that punching chance. You absolutely have. I think as you go down the weight divisions, you know you, you've got less chance of winning with, um, you know, landing consequential strikes in that way. You're less likely to knock them out cold. But that weight division, we've seen it numerous times, and um, and that's what we saw with this one. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I just feel a bit sorry for for Corey. You know, yeah, especially off up. the back of that big win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was huge. Um, you know, the, the other guy was on such a tear. He was looking unstoppable himself. And then he, he soon changed changed that and put himself in contention. Now what for him? He'd maybe have to reprove himself a little bit now. Um, you know, with another couple of fights. So let's see. He'll have to go back on board as it was, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's got the ability. Um, yeah. It seems that with Corey Anderson, I've always felt like it maybe is in his, is kind of in his head rather than mm. his ability to yeah. really yeah. push on to that next level. Um, yeah. Maybe it's just like a psychological thing, but could be. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's your card. That's your main event. Uh, yes. I got to say, I do think John John Jones will uh, destroy uh, Lan, yeah. Jan Blahovic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, but then again. Puncher's chance is always there when you when you hit as hard as that. Um, it is, but um, but someone with the distance measure, like we spoke before, the, um, the the distance awareness of John Jones is one of the best out there. Uh, I, I just that you're know, hoping on that puncher's chance is is you know it's like trying to win the lottery twice. Um, yeah, it's, it's highly likely not to happen. You know. After that last bout we saw him in, with the amount of flack that he took, and and he come out of that pretty well, uh, I can't see someone like Jean putting that kind of pressure on him. Doesn't have the skill set to do so. 
you know, not take anything away from his great fighter in his own right, but he's not of Jones's level. Um, yeah, you could see Jones taking him down and tapping him out relatively. It, it ain't going out of two rounds, that's for sure. I'd say one, but let's give him benefit of the doubt that he could run away for one round. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to say uh, within two. Yeah. But okay. that might not even happen yet, that fight. We'll no. see. They seem to be pushing it uh, on commentary and the way he kind of... Oh, he's doing exactly what he should do. He, yeah. he just beat, beat a great guy. Um, he, he wants his moment of fame. And um, and he wants those paydays. You know, it's not not an easy sport when you're trying to work your way up financially. Very taxing. I see it time and time again. Um, it's not easy for these young fighters trying to come through. Um, yeah. So yeah, he wants. He deserves payday. deserve those paydays as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and for that, right, you know, he deserves a, a punt at John Jones. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think this look of confidence and and saying I want you next jumping up at the cage. I think this is all just acting bravado rather than real confidence from him. I think even he knows he's up against it against someone like Jones. Indeed, yeah. Um, okay, so let's uh, we'll just briefly finish off with a couple of questions. Yeah. Um, some fun ones today. So um, uh, we've got UFC Dublin was announced uh, for August. Surely yeah. Conor McGregor has to be on it even though it's a ESPN stroke fight night card rather than a main pay-per-view um i don't know whether i agree with that do you not no does it have to be i i I don't know um i mean it it would be good but i don't know does it does he even want it i mean i've not really been listening to because he's been a bit quiet on the old interviews and that um he hasn't been quite so vocal um i don't know how, how how much he wants to well, I know he's looking to fight soon um, yeah. and quickly. What I would say is uh, ESPN were thrilled with the numbers that McGregor and Cerrone brought in um, because obviously they've got this deal with uh, UFC where they've paid UFC for exclusive pay-per-view rights. Yeah. Um, so they needed the numbers, and I think they were a bit disappointed with the numbers throughout 2019 because, right. of course, whilst the younger generation are all familiar with streaming and downloading an app and getting the pay-per-view that way traditional people who just like to go onto their tv and buy the pay-per-view may not always you know come over to that but um yeah the reports i've read from you know quite reputable people said that espn uh are very happy with mcgregor they want him fighting again you know as as soon as they really can because yeah he brought in the numbers which is no surprise with him I love watching the guy fight. I, I love what he brings. Um, of course, I'd like to see him <laughs> fight on there, but I'd be happy to see him fight wherever, whenever. You know, as long as he's still yeah. in the fight game, um, I'm I'm happy for that. Um, yeah, it'd be great, obviously, for the fans. Yeah, it'd be special, wouldn't it, to, to have Conor McGregor fight in Ireland? But yeah, I just I want him to be. I want him to be prepared. I want him to have the right type of opponent. Um, I wouldn't want it to be the case, though. He would just take a fight with whoever, just yeah. so he's fighting. You know, I, you know, I like these. He brings such attention, doesn't he? And he, he gets matched up with people that you, you really, who is going to win and how? You know, it's so yeah. exciting. Um, yeah, I, I think that's more important for me personally. Okay. Um, rather than just the location, purely the location. But I get the attraction, of course. 
yeah, it would be special. But um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, how difficult is it to face a genuinely tall opponent, and why? Well, it has to come in combination of being tall, good footwork, and distant management. So you know, being tall doesn't mean you've got a longer reach. Um, so it really depends what combination that height comes into. So if you have got someone which makes it difficult, which is tall, rangy, and they've got good footwork, good distance management, then it's a real difficult affair because it's like playing a game of chess and you've got the white pieces, you're moving first. Statistically, you have a slightly more chance of winning. I just think you're starting off on the better foot. Um, You're getting out the blocks in 100 metres and you're getting a great start. It's a great thing. Um, I just think they have the potential to to start better. And it's always the guy who's shorter, with the shorter reach, um, that's left chasing, having to burn more of your, your, your candle's energy to close in to try to be effective in the first place. Um, it's like, you know, uh, you know, having to walk 100 miles to go to battle before you even begin yeah. your battle. It's taken something out of you. And it's a little bit like that, I guess you would say. Um, What's uh, the best uh, strategy against someone who's tall and rangy and um, Definitely preparation, preparation for cardio. So the way you train for that bout, if I knew I was up against someone in, uh, in particular, who's got good footwork, reach advantage and height advantage over myself, um, you know, being really super fit to, to be able to push in and get inside. Strategy is obviously very important, but to have strategy, you've got to have the cardio to give you dexterous options to be able yeah. to get in on inside. Um, so you, you can um, do your switching of your stance to come in. So you're stepping in with big steps. I think when someone's got range and good footwork and you're, say, both left foot forward and you both stay in strict form, it's very, very difficult to close in without receiving damage um, if you just stay strict with that left foot forward, right leg back. I think if you come in um, and step in with your shots, you, you have more chance of um, being more successful with your, your combinations with your hands into shoots. Uh, so that would be something that I would definitely um, bring into my game. Um, cool. A little bit how we saw um, Holloway and um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Holloway's last fight. Um, oh, um, uh, Volkan. Kind of uh, yeah, Volkanovski. Volkanovski, wasn't it? You know, he was someone who's given away reach, foot, some footwork skill to a point, but he's got a load of cardio. And um, he yeah. kept switching his stance as he come in. He got inside, delivered the payload, and got back out. And he was fit enough to do it. Yes, he slowed down as the as the fight went on, but he got so far ahead on the on the rounds by the time he was at any sh- visible deficit, um, he, he'd already pretty much got to the finish line. Um, so yeah, if you have a look at the way he employed his strategy, you would understand what I mean. He was switching mm. his stance as he comes in. He was hacking at the legs to try and slow the footwork down of the taller man. He worked very well inside, but didn't stay inside too long where you get clinched up, kneed, etc. Um, he was in and then he was back out. Nice. Have to be fit to do it, though. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I like that. This is yeah. why I like uh, like talking to you about all this stuff. Get the, yeah. the technical analysis. Um, uh, it's just my opinion and view, though. I must say that. Yeah. Not, I always say I'm always potentially wrong, but... Um, that's just how I feel I deal with that situation. Yeah. No, it's cool. Um, why do fighters spin through when they miss a low kick? It seems like they would put themselves in more danger by doing this, more danger of getting caught when doing so. 
yeah, if you do not throw another strike afterwards, it's not good. This could be a habit of tie boxers. If you ever see a tie boxer shadow boxing, you'll throw up a big round kick and spin all the way around with it. Okay. Um, so sometimes this can be a subconscious copying habit that you've seen. Um, being an MMA fighter, you do train with different coaches. Um, and sometimes you're just around that environment where you see people do it. And it's weird how it will just come into your game where you throw the kick and spin round. But absolutely right, it could potentially put you in danger. Um, if you throw and miss it and they run in on you, they've got your back. Mm. Um, or if they're strikers, you, you're not going to see them close in on you. you. And, and Yeah, absolutely. You've got no footwork form to, to um, resist what they might put on you in terms of their striking combinations. Um, so what generally should happen is if you throw a kick and you miss it, you plant your foot down. So if I was going to, say, do a switch kick with my left foot, I would place it down and maybe throw um, – uh, a spinning back kick or spinning side kick to dominate center line to stop the counter strike the counter clinch or you can throw your kick around and maybe throw a spinning back fist off of it you know, in hopes to catch them you know, trying to capitalize yeah. on the fact that you've missed with the kick with the wild kick because it'd have to be a wild kick um for you to kick all the way through yeah i like a, i like a good spinning back fist so that would be oh yeah yeah, yeah. Be my all choice. the spinning, spinning kicks, spinning back fists—they're all great. And spinning elbows, as we're seeing, um, off the break, more more. <laughs> really visual, hugely consequential to the fight if they land. Um, really good, really good to watch. Well, that one last year with Yaya uh, Rodriguez, right at the death of the fight, wasn't it? Where yeah, he kind of right. went like up and back, and exactly, woof. yeah, yeah, creative. Um, yeah. Okay, final question. Uh, from both of you, can you name your top three biggest upsets in MMA history? Um, okay, yeah. I mean, this is there's, there's a huge amount of upsets that have happened. Um, MMA has been around a long time, um, so I think you know, I, I, I put them in terms of that the other people would look so invincible at the time um, when they was defeated, and and, and it was real eyebrow raiser. So one of them for me was. Um, Fabio Verdum versus Fyodor. Um, you know, Fyodor yep. always looks untappable. Um, but Verdum is obviously a really proficient jiu-jitsu guy, um, really long-legged, and he reeled uh, Fyodor into a triangle choke and, you know, and tapped him out. I mean, I never thought I'd see the day where Fyodor would tap, but we did. He was very humble with it. Um, I just think we sometimes see Fyodor so fearless that this guy would go asleep or let a limb break, but he's actually quite a sensible dude. And, he, mm. you know, he got caught in the submission, he tapped and yeah, that yeah. one was a real shock upset. It really was because he spoiled so many other good jujitsu guys. Um, I thought it was going to be much of the same thing, but it wasn't, he got tapped out. Um, another one for me was um, Matt Serra and GSP. Yeah. Well, the line <laughs> I mean, shocker, shocker. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, GSP was a massive favorite to win that fight. Massive favourite, um, but he got clipped. It wasn't even with a clean punch that led to the finish. I think caught him behind the ear slightly. Um, but Matsera is a short, stocky, aggressive guy. He's like um, an angry Rockweiler. <laughs> he's, mm -hmm. he's a very compact, angry dude. When he uh, when he gets the taste of blood, he's going for that sub or that knockout, and he clipped GSP and very quickly was on him and um, put him away. That was another real shocker. Um, you know, this put a female bout into the mix as well was when Wanda Rousey was looking invincible and Holly Holm uh, dismantled her. Um, yeah, she destroyed her, didn't she? She showed 
you know, up the true holes in Ronda's game. And I don't think Ronda was the same ever again no. after fighting Holly Holm. No, no, no. I think no. it was a, I can't remember whether it was a left lead kick to yeah. her head that finally yeah. led to it. But she wouldn't, Ronda Rousey looked uncouth and just looked like she was never going to get her down. Um, yeah, that was another huge upset. So that was some sort of. I actually thought it was a top five. I put my uh, top did I five say down. top five? Go on, and you two do another. You do <laughs> another two, and I, I'll do one. Yeah, yeah, because these ones and and the other one totally um, you know shocked me, partly because of the way he won. Really, was Tito versus uh, Ryan Bader. Yeah, um, that one. He, he got, he got, got, yeah, I mean, um, Tito's not known for his submission, and we know they're both really proficient wrestlers. Um, yeah, just did not expect. I did not see that coming. I, um, I think those. I think Tito is as much surprised um, as Bader or anyone else watching it was. But what a great win! Because um, Tito's on his way out pretty much, and Bader I think was five and one at the time. Yeah, you know, really looking dominant. Um, that was another real big shocker for me. Um, and pleasant one because I've always been a fan of Tito. I've always liked his liked his game. Super nice guy as well. If you ever meet him in person. Um, you know, he always has time to talk to talk to you. Um, mm. And the other one, which I, I think you know can't be um, taken off the list, really, was Anderson Silva versus Wyden. Um, Anderson Silva sometimes looks so unbeatable, hasn't he, over the course of time? But Wyden, I think he won twice in the over him because he got the leg break against Wyden as well. Yeah, yeah, well, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, that was another one that you know I think was a, a real big upset and a real big surprise to people. It put. Wagman on the map, but unfortunately, he never, never was able to follow through after those successes he had over Anderson Silva. He sort of had a hard time to, to stay on top of it all. Um, yeah. So, so I had a couple of the ones which I had the uh, the GSP one and the and the uh, the Wideman one. Um, yeah. But I've also got. I'll just name two because you we did five. Um, so I had Michael Bispin winning the middleweight championship. As yeah. a of Luke Rockhold, just because it was uh, he took the fight on short notice, everyone yeah. had written, written him off as kind of never going to be did. up to that level, and yeah. um, he gave Luke Rockhold a knocked bit out, of a whooping, yeah, knocked yeah, him out did. in the first round, yeah, and my clipped him, clipped him, and yeah. he was gone. Um, and my yeah. other one, which might shock people, but I would know it, but. Is Royce Gracie winning UFC one, twelfth of November, nineteen ninety three, and he faced yeah. faced that uh, massive dude who I always forget his name. Um, there was a few oh, massive dudes that he fought. Well, yeah, uh, there was like boxers really tall, and there was a Kashinkai, the the karate stylist. Mm. He fought, fought that really tall karate stylist as well. Um, so he uh, bought. Um, yeah, he just looked so small against. Uh, I think it was. Jim Jimerson, I forget his name now. I'm really sorry. Um, I'll quickly, but he the size difference. But everyone, you know, didn't give mm. him a chance, and and he jujitsu jujitsued him mm. into oblivion. Um, and it yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. If, I, if I remember correctly, and I, I should know because I watched it recently again. Um, he like tapped him out very, very, very quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. people just didn't expect it. Because Royce Gracie, yeah. Royce Gracie's so unassuming uh, in his demeanor and everything, but the man is a, a legitimate legend and badass. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I've had the privilege of you know meeting him on mm. countless amount of times. Um, spoke with him. Going to ask and, you, huh? 
yeah, and spent some time with him. Really, really good guy. Um, very thoughtful about the words that come out of his mouth. Um, you know, he, he never just talks mindlessly. You don't talk from just emotion. He thinks about everything that he says. Um, you know, it's still very, very traditional. Uh, you know, he very much sees his BJJ. We say unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, we look at BJJ in very much its sport format, whereas the Gracies very much see their jiu-jitsu as a self-defense system. Okay. So, you know, when we put some questions to him, um, you know, one of the ones I asked him, is there any opponent that you've faced that you'd want to face again? Or, you know, or would it always be a new one? Would you always come back fighting? And um, he said, I'll fight anyone. Uh, I don't have a particular favorite to fight or not favorite to fight. I will just, I'm willing to fight anyone. But what he says, his criteria of what a real fight is, he said, you know, I would prefer to fight with no time limit. That's where I'm effective. He said, I still go running out 10K a day. Um, he's still a very, very fit man. And um, and I think if you listen to interviews uh, of Hickson, you know, he's still very much in the approach that, you know, if you really want to find out who the, the, the toughest fighter is, it has to be done without time duration. Because, you know, having rounds does put, a different emphasis on times of terms of strategy to win on a scorecard. Um, a fight should be won by someone quitting or being put asleep, you know, it's, yeah. you know, or knocked out, you know, any of those ways, not being left to any judgy scorecard. Um, and I really think, I really do believe him that that's how he sees things. And he yeah. says in that term, he's still legit today. That's how he sees it. And I absolutely, you know, believe that he believes so. Um, yeah, really, super nice guy. Uh, got got time for everyone. Um, I always see him at the Bellator events, and he's always having photos taken with kids. He never gets bad temper. Never looks like he wants to rush off. He seems to enjoy it, and um, people also enjoy being around him. Absolute legend. You know, um, you know, I'm texting you this week now, saying, "Get him on the show. Get him on the show." <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. It, yeah. it could happen. That would he's, be incredible. He's, he's one of my heroes. Yeah. So that would be yeah, yeah, yeah. Likewise, ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, back to the sort of normal amount of time for this week's show. Next week's yeah. show might be a little bit longer um, because we are going to be talking uh, Tyson yes. Fury versus Wilder, uh, yeah. Cody Davis versus Omar Sadiq, UFC Felder versus Hooker, and Bellator Dublin. Uh, McCourt versus Riaz. Um, obviously, we're not going to go through all of those shows in the amount of detail which we go through the UFC shows normally. Yep. The U- UFC show will be our predominant sort of focus in terms of you, Danny, breaking down the fights. Um, we'll go through the Dublin Bellator card relatively quickly. Um, we'll also discuss Tyson Fury's fight and Cody Davis's fight. Um, yeah. I also have a, a, an interview with Cody Davis, which is coming out on Friday. You can check that out, youtube.com slash podcast nation and uh, all your podcasting platforms. As mentioned before, I'm interviewing uh, UK band The Crooks on Tuesday. You can check that out very soon. They also have a single and a sellout UK tour. Uh, if you've got any questions for former Wales International and ex-Arsenal defender Reese Weston, you can get them in tomorrow. And football fans, join us every Monday, 7 p.m. for the Andy Campbell Show. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. We got to talk all sorts of different stuff. Um, and it's always fun in the live chat and entertaining, interacting with people, you know, as we're doing the show. It's a different uh, 
different aspect to the podcast. A lot of fun. Could be interesting. Um, what else have I got to say? Uh, nothing else, really. Check out uh, bstacademy.co.uk. Check out awaydayapparel.co.uk. And obviously, you've got the code, which I mentioned earlier. And I'll also put it in the description below. And I've also got launched Ace Podcast Nation's Teespring store where you can pick up mugs like this and pick up T-shirts like the one I normally wear um, from there if you would like to support us and the work we're doing towards getting you awesome guests and having regular an analysts and pundits like Mr. Danny Button. Uh, Mr. Andy Campbell and all the other awesome people that help us out and join us to talk about our favourite things. Uh, Danny, it has been a pleasure as always. Yes, thank you again, Si. Um, always and, uh, look forward to it and I'll be looking forward to next week too. Yeah, next week. Now I'm really, really looking forward. I always look forward to these shows anyway, but next yeah, yeah. week I'm really looking forward to it just because there's so much going to on. talk about. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be lots awesome. going on. It's great. It's good. Uh, guys, Give us a follow on social media. Most importantly, really, um, tell people, tell your friends, tell if there's something you enjoy, particular show, particular guest, tell your friends, help us spread the word, help us grow. Um, and if you want to support us, the best way to support us directly is to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash podcast nation. And obviously things like the Teespring store where you can buy the merchandise, which there'll be more stuff up because we're, launched a new logo for the Andy Campbell show recently and um, I'm sure we'll get one for the Danny Batten show done soon as well by the same people because I'm really really happy with the the work they did for the Andy Campbell show okay Danny thank you very much guys thank, thank you for so. watching thank you for watching listening downloading however you do it thank you very much we'll see you next week with another episode of the Danny Batten show Podcast Network.